0: Good snap again, and it's Connor Nash. Segler, sixth, the opportunity to drag it down. Immediately moved on. Long shot from Waffle. He might will home. Bang! Another blow landed by the Hawks. Not really wanted to get it out, but knew they couldn't take it there. And instead, Hawthorne break, it forward into the hands of Kaczynski, who helps himself to another. And it's a pile-on. Lewis had a clean run gobble that up, but Mitchell will finish it off anyway.
1: No worries for the Hawks today. The Hawks registered back-to-back wins for the first time in season 2021, as the Pies once again allowed ball-magnet Tom Mitchell to run riot, proving some things never change. We're going to get to all the talking points from that game and all the latest from the club, including some huge historical AFLW news right here on the Hawk Talk
0: podcast. My name is Nick Mason and Tiz... We're going to get to this big news right at the top of the show. It's finally happened, Nick. The AFL have deigned to give us a side in the Women's League. It's a monumental effort. It's, it's one that, you know, Hawthorne brought out a
1: timeline and the key moments that have led us to the present day in this huge announcement of Hawthorne officially joining the AFLW. But, you know, it, it extends beyond 2017. I mean, stuff that contributes to this massive shift in this massive day um there's there's a lot that won't even be accounted for there's a lot of efforts along
0: the way that won't be put onto a timeline oh yeah it's been a major struggle to um even get to the table with the afl and then you know they've basically had to be dragged through the mud to finally give these last four sides a team so it's wonderful though you know you got to look at it uh, we're going to have sponsorship. We're going to have Dingley in, say, seven to eight years. We're going to be a much larger club. And, I mean, there's going to be more players to support. There's going to be more goals on Hawthor- <laughs> for Hawthorne. Are they going to have a secondary side? Are they going to have a VFLW side to go with the AFLW? Or does the VFLW just be- just ascend, become the AFLW? That's, um, that's an interesting point, but, you know, it's not that important. The league's still fledgling, really, um, and it's got to grow. I mean, there's a lot of young talent we've seen enter the into the women's pool with the last draft, which um, which I think was the first one that knew that they could represent in AFL. Do you know what I mean? When they started at OzKick, yes, you know. Yeah. So it's it's finally meeting the full circle there. So you'll get people who did OzKick returning to OzKick to lead. The Oz Kick days. You see Burgoyne's
1: daughter out on the uh, the Marvel Stadium turf today with Gill. Yeah, I did see that. It's a nice touch. Very exciting indeed. I mean, this is this is what it's about. I mean, we're such fiercely dedicated Hawthorne people, and now we have a, a place to extend all of that love. Like you know, from day one, I was at that first ever game of AFLW. I was watching Carlton and Collingwood, and it was super exciting. And I've been following the competition ever since. But without the brown and gold out there it's just it hasn't been the same i haven't been able to invest in the way that i'd like my heart hasn't been in it and i feel like today it finally is i'm so well i'm relieved that finally it's happened because it's been an awful long battle it's been a journey to get here but i'm so
0: so happy that i have another team to support and another team under the hawthorne banner and we're all ready to go like it's um it's well known that we've provided a lot of talent to the league already So hopefully a little bit of that comes back to us. (laughs) Can our premiership side make their way back, do you reckon? (laughs) Whoever's still in the system. Well, we had a few come out of our VFLW side into the AFLW League um, in the last draft, which was at the start of this month, wasn't it? Um, So the first year will be interesting. Hopefully we get a full season. And then you know, it'll just build strength to strength, I think.
1: So we're entering the competition for Season 7 of the AFLW. That's the end of 2022. Uh, The the website adds, It's a long-held strategic goal of the club. An AFLW licence completes the club's family. The club's vision for the future is clear to create a club that is successful, sustainable, socially
0: inclusive and equally focused on both men's and women's programs. Yeah, well, I I think everyone's been quite impressed with how good our VFLW side have been. And how well we've funded them. We seem to be the only club that is looking to make it a female domain as well, uh, in terms of the coaching as well. I feel like
1: it's worth issuing a bit of a reminder for listeners that uh, Hawthorne was the club that um, basically brought the Hawthorne VFLW side in line with the VFL side in terms of pay equity. And we're we're the first club to do that. And then you look at what else the other stride we made was having an all-female coaching panel for our Hawthorne VFLW side. So, I mean, look, again, these are significant points on the timeline. These are the things that we can really celebrate. Of course, there's so much more that's gone into this. And, uh, you know, hats off to everyone that's been
0: involved along the way. And I deeply... Deeply hope the AFL will regret giving us a license because we'll probably ruin the league by being too good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I'm just so glad that um, my hatred of North Melbourne just has another level to it now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I tell you what, it's going to be a lot of Hawthorne content, Nick, um, especially if there's a second women's side. Yeah, um, patreon.com
1: slash hawktalkpod if you want to support the show. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it's set for, well, expansion is the word. Uh, that's exactly what's happened to the to the brand today, and that's probably what's going to happen to the podcast, because you know soon enough, we're going to be talking about the senior men's side, we're going to be talking about Box Hill, and now we've got an AFLW side, so I mean, oh boy. It's going to be a big time for, for the Hawk Talk podcast too. Don't worry about that. Better than AFLX. <laughs> it's better than AFLX. Hey, I just want to confirm uh, for listeners as well, uh, it was announced moments before we hit record, uh, Beck Goddard is officially the AFLW coach for Hawthorne, so that's great news.
0: Excellent. Well, that's exactly what we expected, and um, we saw her in tandem with Sam earlier in the year. That was some great videos out of the, out of, uh, the Box Hill or the VFLW. That was good.
1: We need to move on. I feel like the more we talk about it anyway, we're going to be talking in circles about how happy and excited we are. We're just going to be repeating ourselves. It's a massive day uh, for women in footy. It's massive for the club. It's massive for us as fans.
0: Uh, I'm super proud, super proud of this club. Soar with us. What a month, Nick. All these big decisions. No end of change out at Waverley. How have Hawthorne changed their fortunes so greatly? We look nothing like the side we were a month ago. Is it all about the politics off field? It's all about the he said, she said bullshit.
1: Uh, That was a bit of a Limp biscuit reference for you there, kids.
0: But are the players responding to, um, you know, their jobs are on the line or what on earth is going on here? Because the pressure acts are huge, um, forward half turnovers, all this stuff, we're getting goals from, you know, we're we're ranking in the top three for... Um, goals from turnovers and stuff like that, uh, pressure acts in the forward 50. It's it's stuff that we weren't doing and honestly wasn't really part of the motivating factors of the club in the first 10 rounds. What's going on, Nick? Uh, well, whatever's
1: going on, it's just a little bit of a shame to have this kind of hunger at the tail end of the season. If we could sort of reverse that and really be in the hunt when the season kicks off, that would be uh, very nice indeed. But... Yeah, it does look a completely different side. It's one that is playing with a certain spirit that is uh, amazingly unburdened by the past month of of all the behind-the-scenes politics. They seem to be at peace with that, amazingly. And the midfield is clicking as well. I mean, this is something that we haven't seen for at least two years. It's something we've been enormously frustrated by. And the, the midfield that we've thought to be stale, that needs something else, a different dimension, and, and granted, we, we've tried different things, like Newcomb, Nash, uh, it, it, the, the usual veterans of that midfield are starting to work together well. It's it's the darndest
0: thing. Well, I mean, that's obviously Nash's influence there. That's that's all that is. All right.
1: Well, I, I have many other players I want to talk about. but We can talk about Connor Nash first, if you'd like. No, but
0: what I was going to say is they just looked at the Magpies and said, well, you're not that great a side, actually. Um, we've got this. And there wasn't a great deal of doubt. We looked The better side for most of the day.
1: Yeah, we did it pretty easy. Um, I mean, it certainly helps when (laughs) I referenced it at the top of the show. When you let Tom Mitchell just do what he likes, he'll he'll get to work. He's a machine. Like, you need to do something about that guy if you want any hope of beating Hawthorne. 44 touches at 84.1% disposal efficiency is insane. A team high, 12 score involvements. Equal team high, 7 inside 50s, which was shared with Lockie Bramble. I'm sure we'll mention him later, but... Um, What is it with Collingwood and just deciding that, nah, this player doesn't impact a thing? Well, they weren't
0: to know, were they? He hasn't done it before. (laughs) Um, It is quite remarkable. I think we had that chat at halftime on Twitter and someone said uh, he averages in the high 30s against Collingwood um, for disposals. And for them not to do anything about him again. Hang on a sec. Wasn't it like he averages 43 touches? It wasn't even high 30s. Oh, it was, was it 43?
1: Oh, yeah, because he has had a 50. If I'm misremembering that, then I do apologise, Hawks fans, but I do believe that one of our listeners suggested it was an average of 43 touches against the Pies,
0: which is nuts. Yeah, I did tweet sack bucks at <laughs> halftime, but, uh, but it wasn't just Mitchell. Blake Hardwick in his 100th game, he was unbelievable. Scrimshaw is making it look very, very easy, Nick, in the absence of talent around him. Scrimshaw is like a little diamond there now. He's my jellical choice. Scrimbleshaw <laughs> oh, God, that's so obscure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No cats, don't they? What have I done? I've brought this podcast into disrepute. (laughs) Anyway, Jack Scrimshaw, 26 touches at 88.5% disposal efficiency, 12 marks and a goal. His body of work in 2021 is absolutely sensational. And you're right, it's the talent that's not there that will surround him in due course that makes this really, really exciting because in in 2022, he's going to be off the leash.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if they can't lock down on him now... He's only going to get more confidence. I know he's, he was totally stripped of confidence at Gold Coast, but he's finally putting it together. What is he, 23 now? And he's looking like he is at home in the in in the fire of the AFL. Um, not that the pressure came from Collingwood. They were pretty awful for a lot of the game. But when you've got Lockie Bramble running at 88% as well, it, <laughs> he's just... Fantastic to watch. I know you said seven inside 50s, as many as Tom Mitchell. You know, Andy Collins, that's absolute masterclass in recruiting there. Every single week we have
1: to mention him. He forces himself into the conversation by being that damn good. That's Lockie Bramble in a nutshell. Uh, Blake Hardwick you you touched on before uh, The milestone man uh, Produced one of his best games I thought 28 touches at 89.3% Disposal efficiency It's pretty standard stuff from Blake Hardwick He is a marvellous distributor of the footy Uh, Team high 7 intercepts 467 metres gained Uh, Chad Wingard A guy I almost forgot to put in the rundown (laughs) Neglecting the fact that he had 30 touches And 6 inside
0: 50s And is probably enjoying his best form Since he arrived at the club in my view Has to be just forward a centre, he's providing us with so much. And his aggression on at his opponent and the ball and his work rate is just... And it's going really well with Dylan Moore as well. They seem to be matching up well. Um, it, you know, there was that moment um, where, oh, who was it, tried to, to hold on to Mitch Lewis while the ball was still in play and Dylan Moore finally got there and... oh. You know, he's he's got a huge work rate himself. I can't express how lucky we are that Dylan Moore and CJ were given last-minute reprieves last year.
1: Yeah, massive sliding doors moment. Not in the Damien
0: Barrett sense, but just that could have gone a different way, easily. It was fingernail stuff for a contract, that, and they both got one, and they're For me, the two most improved on the list.
1: I'd say that's fair enough. We have questions about that later, which we'll get to. But uh, Dylan Moore's stats on the day. 20 touches, notched up 11 score involvements, including a team-high four goal assists himself, and uh, slotted 2-1, if you don't mind, which could have easily been three. 30 pressure acts, Tiz. Only Taylor Adams had more on the day. Outstanding from
0: Dylan Moore. Yeah, another bloke who had 20 disposals. (laughs) What a segue. He actually did. Connor Nash, team high, five tackles, four clearances, and a sensational goal. They didn't even expect he could kick. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) what was it? They weren't even, they didn't give him a blind bit of attention, and he just stuck it straight through with the left. With the left, (laughs) Nick. Shades of the uh, 2013
1: Grand Final. What do you reckon, Tiz? it had a bit of uh, Luke Bruce dashing through and getting the tap. Wow. Uh, Even I don't go that far. That was
0: uh... (laughs) a... One of my favourite goals of all time. I can't help but reference it. I know, but I thought... Because that was an amazing moment when Bruce broke through and you were just suddenly aware as soon as he put it on his boot that he had the ball. And (laughs) very quick... Uh, I'm not putting Connor Nash's goal in that class, but uh, I think it killed the contest.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, How was your reaction to that particular moment? Did you fall off the couch? What
0: happened? I'm still nervous, uh, and I was glad he kicked it. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, well, that's it. Collingwood had done. And, uh, you know, what draft pick are we going to be looking at? That was my next thought. (laughs) Uh,
1: Connor Nash was top five for our pressure acts as well. Look, that... The midfield experiment with Connor Nash, we'll get to team selection soon, but he remains in the side, and I'm very pleased that he does. I want to keep on seeing more of this. What he's
0: bringing to the table is very exciting indeed. I wonder what the other players feel about it. Mm. You know, to have a bloke come in and have this kind of impact with very little, um, well, expectation for him, really, from anyone outside the club... Um, It must free them up a lot. And he's enjoying himself out there now. You can tell that a few of them have started enjoying themselves. Even John Segler turned in one of his best performances for the year, I thought.
1: Yeah, that's true. I think almost a bit of an unsung hero on the day uh, because we had so many good moments from so many players. And John
0: Segler just... Don't forget he's up against Grundy.
1: That's true, yeah. And I thought he performed admirably well. He served us well. Uh, Team high, three contested marks, 13 contested possessions. That's the most of any hawk out there. Uh, which is not bad for a ruckman uh, equal team high eight clearances which uh, matched Tom Mitchell if you don't
0: mind yeah there you go so he was I mean Grundy still had a great score and he looks good and he gets it in the right places and you know he does enough to get his 1.1 million a year or however much he's on <laughs> but one of the guys I you haven't got down here played a vital role and that was that was um, timmy O'Brien taking out um, Brody mycheck. Who had almost no impact on that game? Well,
1: I've got Tim O'Brien down as an honourable mention because this is the thing: we had so many players to give a shout out to. Oh,
0: he's on the next page. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Tim O'Brien, I thought was um, invisible in a good way. He performed; it was rock solid. Basically, he did his role, and and you know who else was invisible? As you, as you so rightly point out, Myacheck. Yeah. Didn't matter. Was not non-factor in the contest. So Tim O'Brien did very well. Oh,
0: and and he was the bloke I was worried about, to be honest. They didn't have a lot going (laughs) for them up forward. They had a lot of young kids. So um, taking my check out of it was great. The other bloke, and I don't know how he does it, (laughs) 18 touches at 94.5 disposal efficiency and his first goal of the year, Sean Burgoyne, amazing stuff. He's not going to get a rest either, is he, Nick? They're not going to bother. He's not going to get a rest. um, And you'll notice there's been very little noise
1: around retirement at this late stage of the season, Tiz. Oh, come on. That's that's already signed, sealed, and delivered, isn't it? I would have thought so, yes. Yeah, he is pegged for an off-field role. I I would say, unless there's a massive about-face that's coming, this is it. And sadly, you know, we won't get to see his final game. We won't get to see Clarko's final game either, coaching the club. But, you know... I imagine this is it. I, I don't think Sean Burgoyne's going to go around again, but he, here we are, Tiz. Here we are. He could, and you know he could. You know he could.
0: I'd love to, I'd love to give him a, a day at the G. They need to do something for us because we're probably going to miss out on that celebration. Yeah, the club needs to make up for that somehow when we possibly can. I mean, you know, it'll be financially rewarding to make up for that, I would imagine. They deserve it, and so do the fans. Now, there's a three-goaler in this game. We haven't mentioned yet. He had the week off, came back in, three goals, made it look pretty easy. Yeah, remember how last week I, I kind of identified
1: Cosy as the boring option to include? <laughs> remember that? I feel a bit silly about that now. Three very good goals, uh, including that one. That you mentioned that, that passage of play before where Mitch Lewis was tied up on the boundary, Uh, that ended up with Cozzy slotting through a sensational kick.
0: Yeah, I was surprised he made that look so easy for a big man. Very good. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, this team may even trouble the Dogs, who have been rocked by a lot of injuries, and I imagine they're sort of uh, navel-gazing this week. We've got them in Tassie, the game's in Tassie, so um, they're prepped for finals. I'm wondering, are they going to do a Ross line and just play the kids against us? Just settle for top four. Can't have any more injuries. Give Clarko another one on the way out. What do you reckon? What, from his old mate Bevo just helping out Clarko on the way out? Oh, yeah, they, they get along real well. <laughs> uh, after all, Clarko's, uh, I haven't seen, uh, was it all the tackling uh, that wasn't rewarded and then he forced the issue with uh, what what is a handball, I think was one of the quotes from a presser and things like this. Anyway, I'm sure they're fine. We
1: had a number of questions uh, from listeners here that we want to get to. The first from Aidan Wheel and at Hawk Talk Pod. How do you explain these stats now? Tiz, this is from Hawthorne's past month. The club is ranked third in the comp for forward half turnovers. We're ranked number one for points from forward half turnovers and points from turnovers, period. And the Hawks are second in the comp for points differential from turnovers, which, you know, all told, they're pretty huge stats.
0: Well, first of all, you've got to force the turnover. Now, most of these are one of those things where we might have been forcing the turnover in the past, but we just weren't scoring. Mm. Our ball movement, we've seen it as fans. It's far more watchable in this last month. So there's definitely been changes there. But I would say to you, we've gone off that uh, we'll wait for the ball to come back to us style of play and then back, back our talent to deliver it off the halfback flank, and we'll give them a chance, but we'll back our, our talent, and uh, that's the way we'll score. Now, it's pressure first, talent second. Yeah, there's there's definitely a palpable sense of intent among this group. I think when you play teams that are getting towards the end of the year, like Collingwood, they just can't be buggered. <laughs> um, and they didn't have the talent. But I was surprised when Brisbane capitulated as easily as they did, mm. but it just shows it's all work rate. And for the boys to actually see that their work rate can defeat most most sides, it's absolutely terrific for it. Well, you make a good point. When that
1: work rate is applied, we beat, you know, not only the, the Collingwoods and the Adelaides, but we've beaten Sydney, we've beaten GWS you know, he beat Brisbane, it can work against the top sides too. And I think the fact that, that, you know, you point out they
0: are seeing reward for that now, that's enormously encouraging for this group. And it also forces the blokes that do come in, the talented guys, who may not be all about pressure, that they've got to to step that up.
1: Let me put this to you. Jai Newcombe, one of the most important recruits of the last few years. To Box Hill because what is he
0: how many games has he played for Hold on
1: well it's less about that it's it's more a uh, the significance of the work ethic a guy comes in he's a debutant and he lays 14 tackles the most of any debutant in history and then all of a sudden in the last few weeks the last month or so we're turning in those numbers for forward half turnovers and points scored from the intensity is absolutely there it's palpable the spirit the competitive spirit is shining through i just get the feeling that Newcomb was perhaps a little more inspirational than even we thought at the time. They saw his example and went with it. That would be my suggestion, yes. Now, you can think that's overly romanticised and a bit Hollywood-esque of me, and that's fine. I'll cop that. But I'm
0: just putting it out there. But he's been overlooked since. <laughs> that is true. That is a fair enough counter-argument, actually. I, I've been surprised that he's been overlooked so egregiously. Didn't make sense to me. But, you know, he might have... Issues. How's Warps? He's, he's going to get up or something. Warps is in the team.
1: Do you want to go through the team now? There's not that much to say. There's only one inclusion. Uh, it's Dylan Moore that will sit this one out. He's out with general soreness. The, the website um, McCartney didn't elaborate on what kind of soreness. Just He didn't pull up well after the last week's game, and he's out, and Brockman's in. Brockman was the sub, of course, the medical sub, so he's elevated into the side proper. And the emergencies we have from Downey, Hartley, Morris and the aforementioned Jai Newcomb. Now we heard from Glenn as well. Uh, He writes, after the off-field dramas, the team seems to be playing as if a weight has been lifted from their shoulders. Do you think the off-field problems ran deeper and longer than has been made public? Has Clarko effectively outstayed his welcome with the playing
0: group? Or had, rather, rather than has. Uh, I actually think this reflects terribly well on Clarko. I think he's put the playing group ahead of his own emotions and has said... I understand um, your decision and you guys are fine. Let's just have some fun here. And you could see that he was still invested in the side Yeah. when he got so angry in the box on the weekend. <laughs> you know, And he must be incredibly inspirational for the playing group to see a bloke who's lost his job and then doubles down with them.
1: Now, this is the analysis that you won't get from other media outlets. Um, Clarko was actually ordering from Domino's, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a cheap gag Anyway, uh, look, no, you're so right that, He has epitomised an epic level of professionalism I mean, given everything that's happened And and, and clearly, he's, as you say, he's doubled down He's basically said, he's put his own feelings aside To produce some high-class coaching with a young group That he will not have charge of I mean, he, he, the legacy is in the bank, mate he could have done anything with these last few rounds his win loss doesn't matter anymore like he just he could have sat on his hands and done
0: whatever but it's a credit to him is what i'm trying to say it is, it is, and and it'll be even better if he can get a draft pick for Carlton lower than Hawthorne's um, by the time he gets there. It'll be, you know, really well done by him. How dare you. Blasphemy. <laughs> Blasphemy on the Hawk Talk podcast.
1: Although I will say that David Teague's not going to last, so maybe it is in the conversation.
0: Oh, man, it is the slowest execution I've ever... It's
1: horrible. They are hacking away with a blunt axe at this point.
0: <laughs> it's... They haven't called anybody. We haven't spoken to any other coaches. And then, you know, Ross Lyon's basically wearing navy all the time now, isn't he? It's quite <laughs> quite unbecoming of Ross. Anyway, so the off-field problems. I reckon they did run quite deep with some of the older players, um, don't you? I think their their form is really what's made the difference over the last month.
1: Yeah, I think the likes of Jager, Mitchell and Wingard sort of waking up all of a sudden and producing some of their best footy, like, it can't be a coincidence, surely. Like, there has to be something in that. I don't know. We also know of Gunston reportedly being unhappy and, of course, we'll have more on him later with a few questions that have come in about him. But I think it did run
0: deep, yeah. As a professional sportsman, a lot of them aren't aware that they're being impacted. It's quite strange. Uh, It's a psychological effect, isn't it? That, uh, you know, you only have to be a little bit off and it shows. And that's why they're the club psychologist. Anyone
1: watching uh, Ted Lasso season two? Just me? Anyway, get on it. Great show. Uh, we've got a question here from Nick Higginbottom. How have you judged the midfield since the bye? Seems like Warpedo, Jager O'Meara, and Tom Mitchell have been hitting the scoreboard and more efficient with their disposal. Does this bode well for next year, or does it bode well for the trade period? How do we build the midfield we need
0: to get back to finals? We'll be taking a midfielder with our first pick. There's a bunch of midfielders... At the top of the draft, which you know you'll be able to insert into the AFL side within a season, you'd have to you'd have to say that. So that already makes that side better. I do get the feeling Tom Mitchell is is expendable. Really, after collecting forty four touches, I know, I know, I know. Um, Hang on, can you just remove your mask, Robert Harvey? <laughs> I when you consider who has currency and what we're likely to get for some of these guys you're getting the most out for Tom
1: yeah probably Um, I know Jack Gunston has been the one in the headlines of late but I think the severity of his back issue and how long that's dragged on significantly impacts his currency so then you have to look at who are are the other A graders that might fetch anything and you know Tom Mitchell would be up there not that I want to get rid of him I'm not saying that but when you do speculate who might be on the table, who would be willing to part with, maybe, maybe.
0: I don't think we should get rid of him. it's It's all about what Sammy wants to do in the first couple of years. Does he want to stay bottoming out, get some more talent in, you know, really turn over the list quickly um, and rise up the ladder after that, or it'll be interesting to see what his approach is and how and it'll it'll say more about how he rates this list now than what his philosophy in footy is. That takes a little bit longer.
1: I think the next two
0: weeks are
1: interesting. You know, the game against the Dogs and the game against Richmond, what is this midfield capable of? Have they clicked and found another gear? Is this just a flash in the pan, the the sort of stuff that we've we've been seeing? Or can they work this well together on a consistent basis? Because if they can, that changes everything. I mean, it it doesn't change our uh, mission uh, tra- a trade period or draft time. I still think we're going to bring in a mid. We're going to use our first pick on a midfielder. But it does create more questions than I had, say, about two months ago, where I thought, this midfield is rubbish, end of story,
0: where I'm not inclined to think so black and white anymore. But the fact they've been hitting the scoreboard, Warple's been resting forward, it's looked really good. Something's
1: changed for the better. And speaking of change... We'll get back to your favourite bloke who's been inserted into the midfield. This is a question from Brattle Gill. Okay, I'm going to ask again, begins Brattle. How many votes will Connor Smash get on Brownlow night? And on a less serious note, <laughs> implying he was dead serious to begin with, Tiz, uh, when's he <laughs> contracted to? Well, Connor Nash is out of contract at the end of this year. We'll be getting a signature, will we, Nick? Or- I, would, I would think so, yeah, at the moment. Yeah, I... I it's hard not to have been talked around and seduced by the past two performances, I've got to say. Oh, I thought you were going to reference
0: me. <laughs> anyway. Uh-
1: <laughs> Look, I'm also going to presume that he puts in a decent performance for the next fortnight, and that, that'll mean he gets over the line and gets a new contract. You can't not. I mean, his story with Hawthorne evidently has not finished He's still, he's writing a new chapter for God's sake. You can't delist the guy at this point. He's proving too exciting and too valuable in this new role. And I'm prepared now, much more than I was a few months
0: ago, to see where that goes. Famously, Dennis Pagan said, You can't just go up Lygon Street and buy some confidence. And <laughs> look at Connor Nash now. The confidence is just oozing out of him. There's, there's the don't argues, there's little sweet little passes. Oh, I'm really enjoying it, but, you know, it's up to Sammy. We had another question from uh, Toilet Duck.
1: You make Toilet Duck's return, Tiz. Oh, yeah. I reckon he's your favourite user. <laughs> Are there any players we should be looking to blood before the season ends? Well, only one more chance now. Ah, uh, yeah.
0: Well, without a VFL comp, I don't hold out much hope of any of the fellas who haven't debuted debuting this year
1: yeah i'm gonna agree with you there i think that kind of puts a line through the possibility of any massive surprise i hope to be proven wrong i love a debut so we'll see what happens but uh seeing as we're on box hill mate this is the feel good news of the day second the aflw announcement of course now this is quite spectacular box hill and our third on the vfl ladder
0: yeah i don't really understand how this worked so.
1: All right, let, let me talk you through it. Now, obviously, with everything that's been going on, it's now deemed impossible to get the VFL's 22 teams to reach the same number of matches for this season, okay? It was always going to look that way, and they've decided that now. So the latter has reverted to a ratio system that kind of reflects something that was in effect in the AFL from 1991 to ninety three after the Crows were admitted as a 15th team in the comp, okay? So here's how it works. Instead of premiership points... The clubs are now ranked as a percentage of matches won divided by the number of matches played multiplied by 100. And I promise that's all there is to it. I know I was was sounding like I was going on a big maths rant there. That's it. It's a matches won divided by the matches played multiplied by 100. And that has formed a top four of Footscray, Southport, Box Hill, and Geelong. So we're sitting very neatly in the top four tiers.
0: Have they still got matches planned? Uh, uh, yeah, when they can, is <laughs> the short answer. Well, that's exciting, Nick. It's all really opaque. So We
1: have got a stack more questions to get through here. Listeners have been incredibly generous with their time and have submitted a lot of different takes here. Uh, We're going to remain with Sam Mitchell and Box Hill And this question from Dino uh, Who's Sam's captain next season? Well, they'll keep the same captain at Box Hill (laughs) So facetious You know what he's implying
0: Don't you think they'll keep McAvoy?
1: Well, I think that I don't know if Dino
0: disagrees or not I've been perplexed by the captaincy choices Across the last few years But uh, it'll be fascinating to see what Sam does He's there for a while now so he has the option of taking a younger player.
1: Yeah, it's Sam's vision from here on out, and that's going to be exciting. I imagine next year they stick with McAvoy. It's probably going to be McAvoy till he retires, which probably isn't far away. So that's not that massive a commitment.
0: He's got another year on his contract.
1: Yeah, yeah and whether he goes on beyond that, I I would find that hard to believe. But I think for 2022, I think they stay the course and they stay with McAvoy. Now this next question from Nicky. I know personally and of other fans who have had run-ins with Sam back when he was playing. He is often termed annoying and a pest and at times arrogant. Any concerns on how
0: he'll represent the club once he becomes coach? Uh, No, not really. He's prickly. A lot of sports people are. Even Buddy and Ruffy had good and bad days. You know, It's very hard to... I mean, you should always be respectful to the fans. But you can't judge a bloke on meeting them once. And uh, I think he might have a crack at the media every now and again. Um, more than Clarko did. I think uh, Clarko's best efforts were precious, and uh, that was about it. I think Sam might bite back a bit harder. But, of course, that doesn't uh, bode well for him. But do you worry about him, Nick? I think he's handled the media well so far.
1: Not at all. He he strikes me as a guy who's fairly intellectual. He's very articulate. He he has a fairly good temperament, from what I can see, And and he strikes me as a leader as well. I think he has a lot of really positive attributes and then if you want to get into the stuff that, you know, you know, he's a bit of annoying, he's a bit of a pest, he's arrogant and prickly, I hear that stuff and I think, yeah, he's a competitor. He wants to win. And I love that spirit about him because after all, that's the spirit that drove him and his teammates, of course, to four premierships. It's the thing that got him noticed to get into the AFL system to begin with. So look, I don't mind it. Because as much as those are bad qualities on the surface, there's things there's
0: things that um, they imply. I make the point that there's not many blokes humble enough to serve under another captain after being deposed and, and serve so remarkably well. So. You know, he he does hold Hawthorne higher than himself.
1: Got this next question here from Ethan. Uh, Lads, I'm a big fan of the pod. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, My question is, who are the candidates for coaching Box Hill next year? Do you think Gary Ayres is a serious contender? And also,
0: with Clarko leaving, where does that leave Brendan Bolton's future at the club? Surely, if Colo wants the job, Colo gets it. Colo might be pulled up and replace Brendan Bolton, who I'm not sure that he is hanging around much longer after Clarko goes. I know they're... They're tight as anything, like Clarko moved heaven and earth to get Brendan Bolton, who was seriously badly uh, treated by Carlton, back to Hawthorne and sort of rehabilitate the fella. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see Gary as back. He's certainly a very good coach and did wonderful things in the VFL. Well, that was why I was excited. But
1: I think you're right in saying that Andy Collins has to be a shoe-in. Now onto the sticky
0: subject of Jack Gunston and his week back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Finally got a substantial update from, uh, from Jack himself via the club. So he's gone in for a second round of surgery. So he's about, as we're recording, about a week removed from that. And his timeline's looking at about two to three months before he hits the track again and begins pre-season.
0: So it's been a hell of a year for him. Very frustrating. So backs are very, very difficult things to recuperate you got to strengthen him. Are we saying the club really, really did him a disservice by playing him against St Kilda that evening for, you know, I mean, he started in the back line. And then I can't remember seeing him much after that. He didn't look well, boy. And then we don't see him again for the rest of the year.
1: Pretty sure he started in the middle. Oh, yeah, okay. It's it's almost irrelevant. He played everywhere that evening. So, Well, my
0: point is they didn't make it easy. He had no game time before playing that match and it looks like a pretty bad effort on be- on behalf of the club. We don't have many bad efforts, but we have had a few injuries this year, and, and this is one of those ones they haven't handled well.
1: So B Gunn asks, uh, is Jack Gunston set for the trade table? He doesn't seem happy. We've botched his recovery, and there's not much motivation for him going forward given all he's achieved with Hawthorne. Uh, I think a trade is on the cards personally. Well, that's the burning question, isn't it?
0: Well, you're looking at our... Crimmins medalist, best player from last year. And uh, if he wants out, well, you have to let him go.
1: Oh, he's earned it. He's earned the right. So I, I just think it's very surreal that, you know, we're sitting here talking about this when it wasn't too long ago that before McAvoy was announced, we thought, yeah, captain, could be captain. And now,
0: all of a sudden, like, what a year. What a year it's been. Well, the assumption there was that his back was... So damaged that they didn't give him the captaincy. Yeah, I guess so. Um, By a lot, a lot of people made that assumption. Um, I understand that Jack was heavily in Clarko's camp. That's the report, isn't it? And uh, he he felt that the he felt that the opinions of the younger players should be derided and mostly ignored because they didn't know what it was like to be under someone who wasn't Clarko. Um, whereas Jack has come from Adelaide and. Knows what it's like to play at a club that's not well managed. <laughs> um, I was just going, th- I'm not seeing some of their delistings today. The guys that coming off their list, they're not offering contracts to. And when you think back of some of the talent that's just walked out of that joint, it's incredible. We had, we even had Ricky Henderson, who was a bit part player for them, but was excellent for us. Yeah, very true. Finishing second to Warple mm-hmm. in a P- PCM. So, Look, I I don't know what Jack's doing. I hope he stays. He's an exceptional third tool. He's one of, you know, I don't think anyone plays his position as as well as Jack does when he's on fire, and he can go into defence. Um, we heard from Ben, uh, there has been talk from Riley
1: Beveridge and Cal Toomey regarding a trade of Gunston for the Lions' first-round pick, which as it stands is tied to Melbourne, so it would be a very late first-round pick. Uh, is this unders or
0: overs for Gunners, or even worth considering? Or would the Lions be dreaming? Oh, do you reckon Gunners wants to go to Brizzy? I think he would go to another Melbourne club myself. I don't think he's looking to change locations. So I I, I would say he he'd just go somewhere else within the state. Oh, it's it's purely purely speculative
1: from me. I I wouldn't know what his intent is there. I mean, he's got. Fagan and and Birchall up there waiting for him. So I mean, if that's something he's interested in, um, but it, it, like I do admit, it seems unlikely. Um, what kind of currency does he have, though? That's the question. What- I don't
0: know, Nick. He doesn't really fit the profile. They only want players that have you know won four premierships at Hawthorne, not three. Um, <laughs> do you think that's enough? That you know that that'd be a cross on the CV from Fags there. So. Maybe not.
1: Uh, it's been said that you know, I've seen people chatting about how Brisbane and the Bulldogs would potentially be interested, especially with the injuries they've incurred this season, um, one really recently for the Bulldogs. But, yeah, look, I it would be an enormous gamble because by the time October rolls around, uh, looking at Jack Dunstan's timeline, he's not fully recuperated yet from this second surgery And uh, it would would be a huge roll of the dice for a club Especially because of what Hawthorne would be asking for We'd be looking for a first round, thank you very much
0: Mate, you'd roll that dice every time If Gunston comes back He he improves every side in the AFL Oh, unquestionably, but that's a huge if Nah, it's not that big an if Oh, isn't it? He's very professional And as long as you are prepared to give him the time And you don't bring him back early I think you'll be fine
1: Well, professionalism doesn't have any say over what your anatomy is doing? So he can be
0: as professional as he likes. If his back's stuffed, it's stuffed. No, there is a lot of bugs that don't do their recovery. They don't. They don't do the exercises. They don't. That's why they don't make it back. That's why a lot of players get one big injury and they don't make it back.
1: I still think it's a big chance, especially when we're you know he'd be commanding a first round. Hopefully that's what Hawthorne would be seeking to give that up.
0: Be pretty pretty big. And the Machiavellian in me says if you are thinking that Nick, we better let him go. If you're thinking he's not going to make it back. No, I'm not necessarily thinking he's not going to
1: make it back. I'm just saying what's at stake for any potential suitors. They're interested. They've got to
0: weigh it up. And as have we. So it'll be interesting to see what Sammy does. If he's got a, He must have a thought of what he wants to do with Jack. Now, if Jack doesn't want to be there, it's up to him. And we'll probably get a fair amount for him. He is 30. But he's one of those players that if he turns up, plays his best... You're going deep into finals. And this club knows that, and we'll hold on to him,
1: I think. I I don't think Hawthorne are going to initiate talks. It'll be another club coming sniffing around that might force the issue. I don't think... I just don't imagine Hawthorne's going to be
0: on the front foot about this. No, no, you'd have to make them listen. That's the point.
1: Now, seeing as we're within the realms of trade and draft talk, uh, we got this question from Stephen. Do we give Burgoyne another year? Transition year with Sam coming in, having Bergs down back as an on-field leader and having Will Day playing with him has to be beneficial, similar to Hardwick and Hodges last year. Composure
0: down back is still a worry with Frost and Hardigan there. I'm not buying this. Uh, If there's another year for Burgers, it's at Gold Coast with Jack and we get their first draft pick. That'd be great.
1: (laughs) I mean, at a certain point, as much as I do think that Silk could go again, uh, we have to move on sometime, don't we? He's not part of the next premiership team and we have to cut the cord at some point.
0: And don't forget how much talent we have in that back line to come back.
1: Exactly right, yeah. It's going to be a genuine problem. Like, we'll have to really
0: manage that well. It's a good problem to have. Well, you get, you get other blokes' noses out of joint because uh, Burgers would not be best 22. If they're all available. Well, exactly right. And that, even just hearing that and thinking it, it, it seems
1: blasphemous because he's so good and he's given so much to this club. But that's time, baby. That's how it works. Time rolls on, and he's not going to be part of the next
0: flag tilt. He's not going to have any regrets. Don't you worry about that.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not worried about him. I'm. I'm speaking more to our listeners. They're like, oh, "How dare you,
0: Sean Burgoyne?" Like it just. It just is what it is. Like we we have to move on at some point. Now I reckon Stewie Bro is totally on the money here. I could almost see the sale tag. Hanging off John Segler for most of that game.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Stewie Bro says, uh, Seg's getting a game is perhaps showcasing his ability for future suitors. He has been better than serviceable lately. Big Boy looks little tired as the season has progressed. His role moving forward? Question uh, mark. Reeves will be good down the track. Do we target a new ruck in the trade and draft? Now, I'm going to weigh in here, Tiz. Much like the, the whole midfield thing, I think our mission come trade and draft time still remains the same. And look, if it's Max Lynch, whoever, I don't mind. Uh, I think we need to recruit a Ruckman in some way.
0: Well, I don't think Reeves can hold the number one Ruck spot. And I really don't think McAvoy can play every game next season. So although there might be offers for Segs, for some clubs that are really in some dire trouble... Trying to get a ruck uh, I think unless we've got a, a ready-made Ruckman coming the other way uh, It's not it's not going to go ahead We'll see Stags and Reeves As our twin ruck by the end of next year I'm interested in seeing that I would have been interested in seeing it say This or perhaps
1: next week I'm unsure why Reeves isn't In the side at this late stage Now we move on, Uh, what do we do Tiz With our excess of defenders We've touched upon it before This question from uh, Patrick. When Sicily, Impey, CJ and Day all come back into the team, we'll have a ton of decent half-backs. Should we trade someone to try and manoeuvre up in the
0: draft? Uh, No, I don't think so, because none of them are really being overpaid, apart from Sicily, maybe, who of course hasn't played a game. So they're not taking that much out of the salary pool. And a lot of those blokes, Impey can play forward, Impey can play wing, and I'd love to see CJ and Day on the wing. Uh, scrimshaw's gone into the midfield which didn't work out very well Uh, but these guys hardwicks are trained forward like that's how he made his name um, before he was recruited then he became an excellent backman so yeah i i think there's a lot of talent there there's maybe not a lot of hard nose attack on the footy but there's definitely high class players there yeah, I'm not prepared to part with any of those guys I read out. No, just just have a little fiddle with where they're sitting in the side and see what works. Put uh, day as a high half forward, see what happens.
1: Well, we can do that. We can do that next year. Next year's open slather. We've got, got 20, 23 rounds to play with, so Sam Mitchell's got to work out what works best for him. Uh, we've inadvertently answered Shano's question here, which is... Uh, Uh, Do we start to move players elsewhere on the field and where do they play? Can any of these guys help provide midfield depth? Maybe Day. You touched on Scrimshaw, mate. You know, that didn't really quite
0: work. Hardwick can play forward, of course. I mean, Day needs to fill out. Um, He's got so much more development in him. Um, CJ, we don't know what he's capable of yet. It'll be fun to watch. I don't think we need to push to get another unknown into the lineup.
1: Now, speaking of all this stuff... It's the question that we get from time to time. It's come up again. Uh, this one from Mills at Hook Talk Pod. Apologies if it's been asked before. That's all right, Mills. That's all right. But I'd love to know if you guys think that Sicily should move to the forward line next year since we have a few intercept defenders
0: in the side now. Only if Gunston leaves. All right. That wasn't the answer I was expecting. But fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I try to make it interesting. I can't just say no every time, Nick. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm no longer saying flat out no anymore because I see the merit of it and I see the problem that we have. We we do have a glut, yes, a glut, tis, of uh, defenders. So as much as I think that Sicily is just straight up an all-Australian defender... Yeah, exactly.
0: He's the best of them. So, you know, you don't rob him out of there. Yeah, I think he's the guy that I'm the
1: least willing to move there. But if it happened, I'd understand. I could understand what they're trying to do. Anyway, we move on to uh, most improved players in PCM chat. Here a question from, uh, well, two of the same sort of questions from uh, Andrew and Mount Alimanjaro. Andrew asks, who's the most improved player this season? Is it CJ Moore or is it someone else in parentheses? Is it Conan Nash? He chucked that in for you, I think, Tiz. They both did. <laughs> Matt says who could be on for the most improved player gong on PCM night? Thinking CJ or Coszy or Dylan or can Big Gonads Connor Nash steal
0: it with a late charge? It's gotta be Dylan Moore, surely. Yeah, Dylan Moore, I would say. Yeah. For most improved and does he make Justin's asked, does he make top five of the PCM? Oh wow. Um We've missed a few a fair bit of talent out of the side this year. There's, you know, Impey was playing very well for a time. Tom Mitchell probably wins it again, right? I'd say Tom Mitchell,
1: yeah, probably wins it. I'd say Scrimshaw and Moore might make the top
0: five, both of them. Hardwick would be very close. Yeah. You know what would be fascinating? Where Frosty is. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He had one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Came out flying out of the back line like Trent Crowed, on the bit, and then lovely little dink pass to Tom Mitchell. Totally unexpected. Even the cameraman had a double take. (laughs) I might have tweeted it out on the day, but I
1: think Sam Frost is one bloke that could run at 100% disposal efficiency for the next 10 games. I'd still be nervous every time he had the footy.
0: No, he's really improved late in the year.
1: Absolutely he has.
0: And he played on Elliot, didn't he, on the weekend? And he's one of their best and uh, smothered him pretty well. So you referenced Justin's question.
1: Uh, In in his own question, Justin actually said that Dylan Moore is fourth in the comp for tackles inside 50, which is uh, an incredible stat. He needs, what, six more goals to get to 30
0: for the year, I think? Is that what I'm reading? I might have misread that, but anyway. He's out this week, so he's probably not going to make that. But... um... He's had a terrific year. I think
1: it's you know looking at these names that are thrown up when we're discussing the most improved. Uh, it's another good problem to have, <laughs> where you are like, oh, we've got actually got plenty of options of nominations here. If we could have
0: nominations for best clubman, that would um, that would impress me.
1: Always hard to, to pick those from the outside looking in, but I take your point. Uh, final question here for the episode: uh, expectations for the 2022 season. That's something that Lauren wants to discuss with us. We can't do that yet. We don't even have the fixture. Oh, come on, give it a go. Be brave, be bold. Uh, where would we have to realistically finish next year, writes Lauren, for you to both feel as if we've outperformed expectations and where do you predict we'll finish on the ladder? What's the best place for us to finish? Low enough to still get a top five draft pick? All right, so there's a, there's a number of layers to this question. First one being, uh, where do we have to realistically finish to feel as if we've outperformed ourselves? top 10 yeah i'd agree with that i'd say knock knock knocking on the door of the finals uh getting close but not actually in the finals i don't think that'll happen but getting very nearly there i think would be well it'd be massive i think we would have outperformed ourselves in that case
0: no no one rates us that well no, and, and for a young team to be that consistent would be would be excellent. Um, where do you predict we'll actually finish on the ladder? Well, I'm not even sure where we're going to finish this year, Nick. <laughs> it's true. But I'm, I'm usually fairly optimistic. A new coach comes in, they tend to win the first couple of rounds because oppositions don't know what they're going to do. And depending on the fixture, which might be quite generous, um, you just never know. Like. What were your expectations in 07, Nick? Because 06 was fairly disappointing. There was some obvious progression, but we were
1: 11th. I, I wouldn't have been expecting to finish 5th, and I know that's the point you're nudging me towards, and I'm
0: happy to, to lean into it. Oh, well, as long as we recruit another buddy, we should be fine. <laughs> it really is that simple, folks. So, big month, Nick. Giving Clarko the ass. Sam is the new leader of the club. We've finally got a women's team. Anything else? What else we got left?
1: Well, it's the uh, the 12th of August as we're recording this, so there's <laughs> a fair bit of life left in this month. Who knows what could happen? I mean, you know, apart from Richmond finishing ninth because Hawthorne ruined their uh, three-peat chances, I mean, that's obviously signed, sealed, delivered, mate, isn't it? That is looking
0: pretty bloody good, actually. I, I told you. Now, have you caught up on the decision for Toby Green, whether he can play tomorrow night against Richmond? Predictably, no, he won't be playing. How expected is that?
1: Oh, it's ridiculous. And Selwood gets off. I mean, they had a real chance to silence the entire footy community in terms of, like, their bias, and they just skipped over it. They went, nah, stuff you. (laughs) Selwood does get off for everything, and Toby Green does get suspended for everything. Stuff you.
0: So the dogs, with huge amount to... Well, they've got to get momentum back, don't they? Yeah,
1: yeah, they do. They lost to Essendon. Um, And Essendon looked pretty good in the closing stages,
0: and the Bulldogs did not look pretty good. I tell you what, the expected score lines you know how I infuriate you by reading them out of the Herald Sun each week? (laughs) Go on. The Dogs should have won by about six goals. Wow, there you go. That's how how badly they're kicking for goal.
1: So what you're trying to tell me is they're gettable this weekend. Oh, they're probably gettable, yeah. I don't want to... Overstate Hawthorne's performances over the last month. I think it'll still be a really tight contest. I'm not necessarily backing us in to get the W. I think the Bulldogs could just edge us out. They won't blow us away by any means.
0: It won't be one of those games. But They definitely could do that, but we'll see. I don't think they will. Their midfield is stacked. It's a wonderful test to see whether the midfield is as good as we've begun to think they are over the last few weeks.
1: It's all gravy for us, mate. Either we lose, and our draft hands might improve a little bit, or we win, and the Alistair Clarkson farewell tour rolls on in style. So I'm perfectly happy to sit myself down in front of the TV, and come what may. We need to wrap this thing up. Uh, It's been a supersized edition of the Hawk Talk podcast, and it's time to get to our social media stuff. Uh, If you enjoy what we do, and you haven't rated or reviewed us yet on Apple Podcasts, you can consider this a bit of a nudge to do exactly that. It uh, really helps to bring fellow Hawthorne fans to our show puts our name up in lights Tiz. So uh, if you could rate and review us, if you haven't done so on Apple podcasts, that'd be awesome. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well at Hawk Talk pod is where to find us. We've reached 2,800 followers, which is an amazing milestone and a big thank you to the community for that. We really appreciate your support. Uh, and we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hawk Talk Pod, and Instagram. You can find us there. We also have merchandise now, redbubble.com. If you head there and search Hawk Talk Podcast, you can find our wares. Uh, and you can support the show over on Patreon. That's the big one for us. You can become a subscriber, any subscription tier you want. All the details are there, patreon.com slash Hawk Talk Pod. And uh, it seems there'll be no shortage of bonus content coming your way over the off season, Tiz.
0: Why is that? What are we doing?
1: A fair bit to talk about. I mean, we've got Silk retiring. So I'll we'll have a bit to say about him, and he's got a book coming out. So I'll we'll need to read that. I've uh, got a Peter Hudson book coming out too. Clarko will be gone from the club. Uh, I mean, geez,
0: he's writing a book.
1: Uh... Do you know what I looked up the other night? I uh, I saw on YouTube the clip of him going around with the youngsters singing Christmas carols around Hawthorn. <laughs> <laughs> the boys
0: is so fantastically awkward. You're making me nostalgic and he hasn't even left yet, Nick. What's going on?
1: Oh, no, I'm going to I'm gonna miss that lovable scamp. Do you reckon he'll be in the commentary box for the finals? That could be fun. Without phones, maybe. Oh, wow. <laughs> That'll be it for this week. The Hawk Talk podcast will be back next week to recap all the action from our game against the Western Bulldogs down in Tassie. Till then, we are a happy team at Hawthorne.